Welcome to Motherhood Unedited. I'm Shana Feingold, a licensed clinical social worker, postpartum coach, and founder of Mindful Reflections. I'm here to show you motherhood in all its glory through speaking with moms about their experiences. It's time women got the chance to speak their truth and to realize that they aren't on this journey alone. Welcome to another episode of Motherhood Unedited. This week's episode is an emotional one, and as a heads up, could trigger some women. It's an episode around loss and grief. Now, it's a hard conversation to have, but it's also an important one, because a lot of women, when it comes to losing a baby, whether through miscarriage, stillbirth, abortion, medical or not, or however the loss occurs, can feel like nobody understands or that they have to struggle in silence. On Motherhood Unedited, we talk about so much of the uncomfortable, and this topic is no different. Loss is part of many women's motherhood story, and this week, we get to hear Vera Chapman's story and how she has moved through the grief surrounding the loss of her son, Hayes, and how she has helped her two living children process their grief as well. Vera's story is powerful and one that so desperately needs to be shared. So welcome, Vera. Hey, Vera. Hi, Shayna. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Doing good. I'm excited. I've never <laughs> done a podcast before. <laughs> I know. I'm so excited to have you on. I, I know there's a lot of nerves with this, but I think we have a good conversation today. And today I really mm-hmm. wanted to spend time. I know motherhood sometimes brings loss. Oh, yes. I mean, loss of a, in a lot of different ways, loss of self, mm-hmm. loss of some sometimes unfortunately a child or a baby yeah. and I know for you loss has been a, a, a piece of of your motherhood journey and yeah I know sometimes it's hard to talk about but for our listeners it would be interesting to hear your perspective and maybe a little bit about your journey and your experiences in motherhood and and even where you are today grief is a really challenging thing you know it's somebody once said it's like the waves of the ocean Mm -hmm. sometimes you're up sometimes you're down sometimes those waves come really fast sometimes they come slower and you feel the ebbs and the flows much more strong um sometimes it completely knocks you off your feet and you just stay in bed for a few days and you you can't get up you know and it's such a journey to allow yourself that time to pause because as mothers I think we're always busy and we're always trying to fix everything for everybody else and to be okay not being okay sometimes is a really hard thing and I'm about a just over a year out now from losing our son Hayes to stillbirth he was born at 37 weeks we would have imagined that he would have been Arriving the next week, actually, I was scheduled for a C-section for him to arrive safely. And somehow he passed away that week in my belly and I did not know, which was a big part of why my grief was so difficult. I have two living children and they are now six and eight. And during the time that Hayes, we were preparing for Hayes's arrival, we bought a bigger house. We got so excited and literally moved. We signed for the new house the Wednesday, moved in that weekend, started doing demolitions. And that Sunday night I went into labor. So the house was a complete disaster. I mean, we had dust everywhere. Mm. Everything wasn't even moved out of our other apartment yet or our other rental home. And Hayes, you know, I was so distracted by the move, to be honest, that I I just wasn't in my body enough to recognize that Hayes wasn't kicking. He wasn't active and he was never really a very active baby, which also made it challenging for me to not recognize that something was truly wrong. I think I always had an intuitive sense that something was off, but I Mm -hmm. didn't recognize the difference between fear and intuition at the time to where I was like, no, it's fine. It's fine. Everything's fine. You know, instead of, really paying attention and saying, well, it doesn't feel fine. I should talk to my doctor about this. So when Hayes was born, he was much smaller than anyone had anticipated. 
and he had been in my belly for several days after having died. And so you can imagine when he arrived into this world, he didn't look like what I might have imagined him to look. You know, his body was pretty beaten up and it was very difficult. It was very difficult for me as a woman to say my body did that to him. You know, he was alive. He was I felt him and then and then he was gone and I could see what my body did to bring him to that point. So there was a lot of guilt and shame that I had to work through regardless of that absolute devastation of losing a child. You know, I also had to help my children grieve. Yeah. They were so excited. I have a girl Ivy and a boy Grayson. Grayson's the oldest, Ivy's the youngest, and they were both so incredibly excited about their little brother. For months we were preparing and they were old enough to understand what was happening, you know, and to get excited about, oh, when when Hayes is bigger, we're going to play soccer together. Or Ivy was practicing on her daycare babies how to take care of a baby because she was so excited. And then having to tell them, your baby brother didn't make it and feeling so sure that it was my fault, you know? And I recognize now a year or so later that it wasn't, you know, and there's nothing I could have done to change it. I, even as I say that, I'm like, are you sure? It's <laughs> like, always that part. That voice yeah. <laughs> I know. It's like, are you sure? I think if I had paid more attention to my body and counted the cakes and done the things that I now know are important, maybe I would have been more aware that he was not thriving. But even so, I don't know that it could have made a difference mm. in whether he would have lived. We could have we could have welcomed him into this world and had a very long medical uh, future. It, it's hard to know what that would have looked like. And so I've had to just resign to the fact that that was Hayes' story. That was his life. And and we try to bring him into our lives still through all sorts of ways. You know, we talk about him all the time and the kids bring him up all the time. We try to keep him present in our life. But it is a very abstract thing for a little kid to have a right. brother who's an angel. You know, it's it's difficult. Yeah. And, and that's a, a piece of it is how you grieve, right? Because... Mm -hmm. There are some families who it's, it's not talked about and the kids right. know that their brother passed, but they don't, not, like, I can't mention it because otherwise mom will be sad or this person right. will, will, will be uncomfortable. And so it's just kind of buried under the rug, but Absolutely. it can be so cathartic and helpful to have a family that grieves together and to know that it's sad for everybody because it is. That was really a big part of it, you know, allowing or recognizing at first that the children weren't talking about Hayes because they didn't want to make us sad. Yeah. My son is super, super sensitive, intuitive. He's me made over. And he said to me one day, I don't want to talk about Hayes because I don't want to make you sad, mommy. And so we, we sat down and we said, no, we want you to talk about Hayes. It makes me happy when you talk about Hayes. And it's okay to be sad too. Yeah. It, it's normal. And showing him what it looks like when somebody's grieving and seeing and having him see me come out on what feels like the other side, even though I know it's a lifelong journey, I'm not in the pit of depression every day. Mm -hmm. I think that that's a good thing for them to see as well, that you can be sad and that things can fall apart and you can hurt as much as you've ever hurt in your entire life and things can still be okay yeah and you have support I mean they're feeling sad you're there to hold them and be with them and you're hurt yeah it's a place a safe platform to, to share what you're feeling I think that is mm -hmm. absolutely necessary when there's a big change a big grief or loss in the, in the family so absolutely and, and they, yeah they processed it so different too. Yes. It's so strange. I mean, kids are just so, my daughter is 
half namaste and half fire. Like she does yoga. She loves it. And she's like meditating. She's sick. Oh, and then, and then she's like not putting up with anybody's crap on the other side. It's just amazing. Good for her. That's right. <laughs> and then my son is so sensitive and gentle and it's very different. And so figuring out how to be present for both of them in different ways. You know, my daughter will just suddenly say at dinner, I'm sorry, Hayes died like out of nowhere and sounds so callous about it, but I know she doesn't mean to, you know, she's just still processing it. Whereas my son, we were in a hike one day and in the also middle of nowhere turns to me, not even part of the conversation. And he says, you know, mommy, I feel like all those times we got so super excited about Hayes was for nothing. And it's like, oh boy. Okay, here we go. <laughs> big emotions coming, big things big to talk emotions. about. And they're, they're figuring it out still. One of the things that my son made me realize is my, my loving son, Grayson. I have two sons and I need, it, it's hard to talk about that. You know, people ask you, how yeah. many children do you have? And it's like, I have two living children and I have one angel baby is how I, that's what I say. I don't know how else to say it, but inevitably it always makes people feel a little uncomfortable because they're like, oh, I wasn't expecting that, you know? Um, right. But it's real it's for you. Very That's real. Yours. And yeah. I, and I feel it's important to acknowledge him at every chance I get. So forgive me for saying my son, one of yes. my sons. So my son, um, Grayson, my living son, he said to me that one of the hardest things for him in his grieving journey was that he knows he has a brother who's an angel, but he never got to see him. He never got to hold him. So he feels very not real. And as a mother, I really tried to protect them when he was born, because as I mentioned, he, his body was pretty banged up. I didn't want the kids to look at their brother with, you know, with his skin looking different, his coloring looking different and going Mm-hmm. And thinking of Hayes as if he's other. You know, I I wanted them to embrace him as their little brother. And this happened during COVID too, where we were in the hospital and the kids could not come to the hospital. So they never had a tangible experience with having a brother other than him being in my belly. And so what we did for yeah. Hayes's first birthday is there's this nonprofit called Angel Picks, who I randomly found, I don't even know, I think it was through another podcast, and they retouch images of children who didn't make it out of the hospital. They're fantastic. So I sent an image of Hayes to them. The only image that I had that the hospital took, so it wasn't the highest quality image, but I was just not in a place to really celebrate his physical appearance when he was born. So I didn't have a lot of pictures of him. I just had one of his little hand Um, and they retouched it and they made him look so beautiful. And I will never forget the moment where I got that image. Mm -hmm. I called my husband and I said, you need to come home like super dramatic. And he's like, oh, runs home. And I am a hot mess on the couch, just bawling. And it hit me that it was the very first time that I actually saw him. Like I saw past the, the, the challenges of his physical appearance. And I saw my son and I saw how beautiful he was. And I could see that he had his brother's little pixie ears because Grayson has little pointy ears and he had his sister's little nose and just being able to see him as beautiful as he was, was so transformative for me. And then I shared that with the children and they got to see their brother as well. And it was just, it was just beautiful, beautiful. That's so amazing. I think that is such a way to keep his spirit and and his presence in your life to be able to even say that like, this is my son. Yeah. This is his. This is my son. And he lived. He didn't just die. Because yeah. that's the thing that oh. people remember, that he died. But he also yeah. lived. He lived in my body. He, he, we were connected. 
and I got to mm-hmm. feel his elbow on my belly, you know, when he nudged me, like he lived. And that was such an important place for me to come to as a mother where I could celebrate him. And then I could help the children celebrate him. And for his first birthday, we did just that. We had a celebration and we also celebrated his life by releasing his ashes into the ocean together. And it was just such a beautiful thing. And the kids were, oh my gosh, they were just so happy having had that experience and that release. And it took us a year to get there. You know, the, the grief was hard, but it helped so much when we finally did. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And that that's a good point in that sometimes when a, when a unexpected loss happens, it's, it's like we just got to pick up our life and move on, right. if you will. And as a mom, and I know with my work and loss also, it's like, I don't want to move on. This was my son. Yes. This was my child. If you're asking me to move on, that means he didn't exist anymore right. or doesn't exist anymore. And no, mm-hmm. he still lives. He's still that your body remembers carrying him. Yeah. Your His spirit is still there yeah. with you and in your family and in, and to have that picture and amazing I'm amazing I'm happy that that exists that they can retouch these photos because I think that could be something amazing for all families Mm -hmm. that experience that kind of loss Um, and it's not a a thing that happens overnight like we start to integrate that loss into our story Mm -hmm. and to know that that was a horrible experience that I never want to go through ever again but that he's still my child yes and with Hayes, it was my first C-section. With my other two kiddos, I delivered vaginally. And that was a whole different thing, too. Reconciling your the way that your body has changed. Now, imagine coming home from the hospital. You are hurting. You've got this giant scar on your belly. And let me tell you, during an emergency C-section, it's literally a life or death situation where they don't care how they cut. They just cut. Yeah. and so. It's mm-hmm. not, it, it's not, it's not pleasant. <laughs> the scar, I mean, mm-hmm. you know, and bless them. I'm not, yeah. I know they were doing their absolute best, but point is you come home and you look at your body and it's so foreign. And now mm-hmm. when you have had a C-section, you develop a whole new way your body carries itself. I have a pooch now. I have never had a pooch. And mm-hmm. like also right after his birth, even though it was a C-section, I. I was so scared that I was going to start producing milk. And so they had me bandage my boobs up for a solid 10 days. Everything squished in there so that there's no opportunity for the ducts to expand and, you know, no sort of stimulation of any kind showers. You just have to like cover yourself. Um, And so you're this whole experience, your, your body feels foreign to you and you have nothing in your arms to show for it. Yeah. And it's super painful, you know, and so not only are you grieving, but your body is grieving as well. It's very challenging. That's the part that we don't often think about is that your body just went through a trauma in and of itself. I mean, birth, well, Mm -hmm. the hope would be to have, you know, a not traumatic birth, but like your body still goes through something. And so then, yeah, to go home and not to be able to hold your baby and to have those intimate moments with him that's right that makes it worth it right usually you would have this beautiful baby to hold at the end and it doesn't matter how much you're hurting because the baby's there with you but yeah we didn't have that experience so it made it all the more complex but I I was so very lucky to have the most wonderful people in my life Mm -hmm. my best friend Tiffany who it's just the most amazing human I know. She showed up at my house. And my, so we were heading to the hospital. She had just visited with us that weekend, actually, and started helping us with, with demolishing parts of our house. And her and her husband and her child, who's just a little bit younger than, than Ivy is, um, Lincoln, he's adorable. Well, they had just left that Sunday night, and I went into labor. 
and my husband, David, let Tiffany know at like three in the morning that things weren't going well. And she dropped everything. They lived two hours away. She dropped everything, drove back and came and took care of my children and the house and the dogs, like all the things so that we could be in the hospital and not have to be concerned about our children. So we don't have any family around close to where we live. And that was just the beginning. She ended up unpacking our boxes for us, setting our bedroom up, setting our living room up so that when we came back from the hospital, we would have a place to sit and we would have a place to lay. And she corralled all of my friends who live locally. They all became really close during that time. And people just showed up to help. We got a million meals delivered to us. We, we got people donating to us, which we were so uncomfortable with at first. We're like, we don't want your money. No, we don't need your money. But people just wanted to help, you know, and that was how they need to help. They're like, take this money and go buy a meal and do something. <laughs> they just wanted to help. And so we also had to get comfortable with that. It was incredibly generous. And I want to bring it up now because that whole experience showed me what it is, what it means to be a friend. Yes. I think that that uh, makes it more of something that makes it bearable. I don't know. I mean, it, you're like trying to bear this unbearable loss. Unbearable. We didn't know what side was up. Mm -hmm. And our whole community came and they scooped us up. They took care of us, made us feel loved. And reminded us what it means to be connected yes. being a part of a system of you know a community a village and it was humbling I didn't know people cared enough for us to show up like right. that Ugh. it's just we would not have made it through and it continued for months after where we had a meal train and people kept delivering meals and just being so kind and it helped. So now if anybody goes through any sort of trauma or grief or pain, you betcha we're going to show up. And do, <laughs> I bet, right? You know, and it's, you're, people always ask, how can I help if something like this happens to a friend of mine? You know, people, people will reach out to me and say, my friend just had a miscarriage. What can I do? And I will tell you the biggest thing is show up. And don't show up with expectations. You, this person doesn't have to talk. Like, let them take a nap. Let them take a shower. You do the dishes. Mow the yard. Like, do something very tangible that will make you feel like you're helping, but also relieve them. They're taking something off their plate. Take their kids to the park for a minute. Um, build a puzzle with their kids. Something where you're taking pressure off of them at a time when they don't have a whole lot to give to anybody. Yes. And the biggest piece of that is don't ask what you can do. Just do. Yes. Just do. Because they're not going to tell you. <laughs> exactly. And don't ask permission. Yeah. Don't say, can I come over? Just show up. Mm -hmm. Just show up with food. And you don't have to yeah. hang out and visit. You can just say, I'm here for you. What can I do? Or I'm going to do your dishes. And it ta it also takes a lot to be accepting of that kind of help. I have to, I oh, recognize okay. that. It's like, no, I don't want you to clean my dirty things. Like, <laughs> I'm embarrassed. My house is supposed to look better. <laughs> yes. And this supposed to. Like, I'm supposed to like be able to keep it together. I, I, I've heard so many people say that where yeah. it's like, I feel like I have to keep it together because they're mourning. And it's like, wait, wait, wait. This is backwards. Like. Mm -hmm. No, you are no. allowed to mourn when you have experienced a loss. Like, yes. That's it. End of story, period. End of sentence. And your friends are allowed to mourn with you. Yes. So many times I had friends start crying and they're like, I'm so sorry. I feel so bad. Like this isn't even happening to me. But the fact that they, they care so deeply about something that happened to us was the most profound thing. And just having somebody sit with you and mm -hmm. hug you, hold your hand. You don't even have to talk, but just showing up and being there is the biggest gift that I think I have received in my entire lifetime. Yeah. And to know that you aren't doing it alone. 
Yeah. Yeah. Makes the world a difference. And, and even though people don't understand because they haven't gone through it themselves, you don't have to have gone through it yourself to be there for somebody who's going through something hard. Mm-hmm. And yeah. if you're genuine about it, it'll show and it'll mean so much to that person. Yes. And showing up is, is really all it takes. Just being there. So, yeah. Yeah. And the fact that, like, all you had to say to your friends was, it's not going well. And it was like, bam, I didn't think about it. I just, she just went over. <laughs> she just did it. Yep. She just hopped in the car, brought her. I think she, she came by herself the first week. She ended up staying for two weeks, not even working, just taking care of us when we couldn't take care of ourselves. That is a blessing if I've ever heard one. <laughs> She's the best friend I've ever had in my entire life. I need to find myself. Um, but going into connection a little bit, sometimes the best connections come from being vulnerable, being able to, to just like oh, yeah. lay it out on the table and to have them know that you are hurting. There's nothing wrong with it. You know, I was trained as a mental health counselor and spent many years helping others through their dark places. And you know, the funny thing about that is you get really bad at letting other people help you with yours. (laughs) It's so easy to focus on others and to then turn it over on yourself and be able to admit, you know, I'm not okay. There have been moments where I work for an ad agency and I absolutely love what I do now. I switched careers completely. And this was before Hayes. Um, But it was, there were moments where I had to reach out to my colleagues and say, I'm really struggling today and I'm just going to need to not work. (laughs) I'm going to need to just be in bed today and I'm sorry. And they were so understanding and they would move things around that was on my plate and just move mountains to make space for me in the way that they could it's really incredible when you are surrounded by the right people I don't think I would have had that same experience in some of my previous roles because these it was just so genuine so effortless like don't even think about it we've got you that's amazing Mm -hmm. yeah Mm -hmm. And, and that those kinds of things are game changers yeah when you see people show up for you in those ways it really makes you want to be a better human right (laughs) well it also makes you kind of look at yourself like and become the better human but also say like would I think to do that if someone had called me up and told me that things were, would my first instinct be to go and take care of everything that they need? No, the answer is a hundred percent. No, I would have, I would have given space and said, I'm here if you need anything. I didn't want to intrude, you know, so I would come from the place of let me help. Just tell me how, but the truth is when you say that people don't know how. Not at all. And so that's why it's like when they just do it, it's like, Oh my God, that was really helpful that you did my dishes. Uh-huh. <laughs> Thank you. Exactly. And the other thing that I've heard a lot from people is, is when they go through a traumatic experience of any kind, uh, you know, if somebody passes away, a partner, a child, a parent, there's a lot of energy and love that happens at the start. Mm-hmm. And then suddenly there's nobody. Yeah. Then it kind of fizzles out because now you look like you're okay. So everything's fine. But the reality is people who grieve can grieve for a really long time and they often do it silently too. So I re- I will always remember and I hope that as you hear this, you'll remember to check in on your friends who seem fine after having struggled through something because it it doesn't just disappear. It just takes different shape Yes, and they learn to, to keep moving, but that doesn't mean that the pain isn't still there. Right. And that's the piece of healing in general. It doesn't mean that the pain will never surface again. I mean, this was right. a person that you loved unconditionally. And, mm-hmm. and so that pain doesn't just vanish, but it oscillates. Yeah. 
I mean, you'll have days when, you know, things are okay. And then you'll have also days where it's like the pain is really hard. And it just kind of, you integrate the two. And Yeah. Yeah. My husband was incredible during this whole experience as well. And he and I, we grew closer than we ever had through this experience, which I know isn't true for every couple that goes through loss, right? Oftentimes it ends up destroying the marriage. And I'm so grateful that my husband and I found each other through it. And it was a very conscious decision we made. In the hospital, we sat down and we talked to each other about our feelings because we had been in a place before where we weren't communicating well and our relationship was struggling and we didn't know if our marriage would survive. And so we learned during that experience that the communication is to just be honest and raw, even if you're not saying the right thing Mm -hmm. is so important. And we started that right in the hospital and we continued it when we got home and we took turns. You know, we, we would have this phrase that said, we would say, I'm heavy today. Ah. I'm feeling heavy because you, you're not sure why. You just feel really just like the earth is pulling you down. Gravity is heavier mm-hmm. than ever. And you're just sad and you can't do anything. And it's like, okay, say no more. I got you. And then I would take care of the children. And then later it would be my turn to be heavy. And it was very rare for us to have it at the same time, thankfully. (laughs) But if we did, we did. And, you know, we would tell the kids, we're just, we're sad today. And they would understand and they would give us a little bit of space and come give us extra huggies. And it, we found our rhythm through it. And again, it comes back to people make it all better. (laughs) Your, your partner, your children, your community, your best friends, your co-workers, that can break or make an experience of any kind. Yes. I'm so grateful that we were in the place we were when all that happened. Yeah. And transparency. The fact that you can even say to your kids, we're, we're feeling sad today. And it's just more hugs, yeah. more compassion and models for them that, like we talked about in the beginning, that it's okay to not be okay. And to put that out there so that it's not something that isn't talked about. And that's a a big, a big thing because emotions are hard. (laughs) And when you're in the midst of it, it feels like they'll never end. But at the same Mm -hmm. time, everything is ebb and flow. Like you said, with the waves of the, of the ocean and the water and all of that. I mean, yeah. It's nothing stagnant. Right. And we definitely feel his absence when there are big moments like, oh, doing our holiday pictures this past Uh, year was so stressful, even just thinking about it, because we're supposed to have another little person in the pictures. We're supposed to have in the year previously, we had made the announcement of our pregnancy Mm -hmm. at Christmas. And so we were expecting to have little Hayes in there with us. And so we we didn't get to have that. And even just thinking about how are we going to get through this? And then we did, and we found a way to celebrate him through it. And he's still on our, we put his name on our Christmas card. Every, every holiday, every milestone to, with the kids where we would want to celebrate as a family and have all of us together is difficult. Yes. Going to Easter dinner, I'm sorry, Christmas, Christmas dinner with my husband's family and not having our son there and everybody else's family seems so full. Mm-hmm. Oh goodness. So I had Hayes in February last okay. year and I turned 39 in March Oh, that was such a big one for me because I was like, oh my gosh, I'm 39. I thought at this point I would have my family complete. I, Hayes would have completed our family. And now here I am 39. My biological clock is ticking. My body completely betrayed me. Ah, (laughs) it was so overwhelming. And this year I turned 40 and 
I felt a little better about it, but it doesn't, it, it, because our family still feels very undone. Yes. It's, it's strange. It's like, okay, and I, can, I don't know if I can celebrate my, my aging because it's just going to get harder to have another baby and okay. ah, it's a lot. Does it feel like a possibility? Like a want? Yes. I, I, we've this whole time said, we're just going to leave it up to the universe <laughs> And then see what happens. But then a friend of mine said, you know, it doesn't work that way. You kind of have to manifest. <laughs> you kind of say, have to actually do something about it. <laughs> no. You have to decide, is this really something you want? Rather than going back and forth and saying, sure, maybe. Oh, I'm scared. You know, and so we decided and we said, yes, we would love to have another baby. And I think probably my whole family is going to think we're crazy because I'm 40. And my dad's like, you're in the good time right now. Your kids are bigger and they can like, take and care help of themselves. Out. Yeah. <laughs> no, he's like not even helping out. He's like, they can take care of themselves. Why would you want another infant right now? <laughs> oh, so it's like the opposite. <laughs> yeah. Starting all over? What? Yes, exactly. But it's true. I do think they'd be wonderful helpers. But we we would love that. And my my hope and my prayer is in the next year that that we will. And we'll welcome another little human into our family. And he or she will never replace Hayes. No. Oh, and that was something. So we talked to the kids because they're constantly like, Mommy, when are you going to have another baby? <laughs> and so we started talking about you know, maybe trying. And we're very open with them and said, is this something you want? Are you sure? You know, it's going to be hard. And it's. Mm-hmm. And my daughter goes, yes, and we can call him Hayes. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> oh, I know, right? So then I then I had to backtrack a little bit and say, you know, we can never replace Hayes. This baby won't be Hayes. If yeah. we have another baby, it will will treat him or her very differently. And that's an example of how their grief still shows up in unexpected ways. It just pops out. Right. Well, because mm-hmm. that's the brother that yeah. that they're waiting for. Like, where's where's Hayes? Yeah. Uh, yeah. But but it's like I said, it's an addition to your family. Mm-hmm. Hayes isn't gone. It's just now you can have another brother or sister to add to the to the family to make right. you feel like your family is complete. Right. Yeah. I just keep saying to my husband, this is not how I wanted our family story to end. And he's like, we still have plenty of years left, honey. This isn't the end. <laughs> it's not over. But that's how it felt. Yeah. Like this her child was supposed to be the nice little bow at the end of our family package and then it ended up unraveling and now what do we do but I feel strongly that we can try again and also I I'm a pretty intuitive person and I don't have a fear that this would happen again I've not had that at least not yet you know maybe if I do carry a little human again that I would be very very nervous but I I don't think so and this time around because I would be over 40 and at risk since I had a stillbirth I would have much better care as well Mm -hmm. to make sure that any any red flags would be caught early on so yeah the only thing I'm concerned about is if it did happen again if for some reason we did have a miscarriage or another stillbirth I know I'll be fine I know my husband will be fine. I don't know how my children would feel, how they would get through losing another sibling. Yeah. I mean, obviously it would be hard for everybody, but I also know based on just even talking with you here that you and your husband are a huge support for your children and that Mm -hmm. they would have the place to share their feelings and to be heard and understood and they would be able to get through it, but at the same time, like this is what I tell people all the time. If your family's not complete, obviously there's only one way to, to like get there in your in this sense of the <laughs> word. And so it's like sometimes we have to be able to risk loss to get where we want to go. And it's scary. Yeah. It's a hundred percent. But in some ways, anxiety, fear, and all of that serves a purpose. Because I'm going to guarantee, like you said, you're going to get more care, like more personalized care probably. And you're probably also going to pay attention to those kicks. 
Yeah. You know, all those things that maybe we just take for granted sometimes when we've had two healthy pregnancies. Mm -hmm. And now it's like, oh. And not to say that that was the reason, right? But there are things that now you're going to probably pay more attention to. And it's that anxiety and that fear that talks. Yes. I, I do think some of it is positive, though, because I... I barely remember being pregnant with any of my children. I, I think I just took it for granted so much. Yeah. And I had also, I survived a childhood trauma. And so my, in a lot of ways, I always lived in my head. It's such a common thing for people when they experience childhood trauma to separate body from mind. And I think a large chunk of my life, I was all in the headspace, mm-hmm. And I didn't pay attention to my body. It was like it wasn't even there. I know that sounds so strange, but I I promise you that was my experience. I didn't exercise. I didn't care what I ate. I didn't, you know, pay attention to any body cues. Um, It felt such a foreign thing to me. And so one of the beautiful things that came out of Hayes' life for me, and my grief counselor had told me to mine for the meaning, always mine for the meaning of what, what can you take from this experience that's meaningful? I learned after practically hating my body for what it did to Hayes to love my body again. And I started integrating that body-mind connection very purposefully. I do yoga now, which is such a blessing in my life. And it's given me so much more agency over my body to where I can make decisions about how I move my body and I can feel proud of my strength, even though I am still overweight from postpartum and my body looks so different, I feel good and I feel connected in my body and I feel connected to my spirit in ways that I never did before. And in large part, it was due to realizing I needed to go work through my grief. And I couldn't just do that through my mind. I had to also do it through my body. Yes. Oh, that's like, I mean, obviously like, <laughs> you're preaching to the choir. I'm like, ah, that is exactly the work that I do because it's true. I mean, like we talked about what you went through, your body went through also. If you completely abandon your body, you're missing a huge piece of the puzzle. Yes. So, yes. I think that is amazing. And I also want to touch base that you saw a grief counselor to help you through this. That's so important. I did. And I waited. I went through all the emotions on my own and with my husband and family. And right before I had to return to work, um, blessing that I had a C-section because that meant that I could take disability from work. Mm -hmm. So for, I think it was eight weeks, I was able to stay home and sit in my grief, sit with my grief and learn to talk to it, if you will. Mm -hmm. And this was also while our house was still completely in disarray, remember? So I had lots of projects to keep me busy where I was painting and doing things. And so I was expressing some of this inside anxiety and grief and pain outwardly through creative things in the house. But I was also able to work through some of my grief. But then I suddenly got so anxious before it was time to return to work. The thought of it, I was like, I can't make, I can't even get through a day making decisions for myself. Mm-hmm. How am I going to get back to work and be the boss lady there? Because, you know, not, I, I say boss lady, I wasn't a, a boss at the time. I, but I was in a position where I had to delegate a lot of tasks and manage a lot of projects. I needed to be on top of stuff. Like I had Mm -hmm. to have my shit together, pardon my French. (laughs) And I just didn't. And so being so afraid of returning to work and failing was part of it. And then second, returning to work and having to have so many conversations about what had happened. I was nervous about that too. And because people don't know what to say to somebody who lost a child. I don't blame them for that, but everybody wants to say something. And so I, I was just 
I had been in a cocoon for eight weeks. I didn't go anywhere. I was just in my house. (laughs) And suddenly I was like getting kicked out of the nest and had to go back to work. So that's when I reached out to a grief counselor and we had a couple of conversations to really prepare me for that transition. And it was very helpful. And one of the things she encouraged me to do was to take care of myself by taking care of other people. And I'll explain to you what I mean by that. Before I returned to work, I actually made a video recording that I sent to everybody at work to say, look, I know this is going to be uncomfortable for you. I know you want to say something and you're not going to know what to say. And I don't expect you to say the right thing. I appreciate your love and care. I love to talk about Hayes, but you don't have to. You don't have to bring him up. And if I cry spontaneously, it's not you, it's me. (laughs) So so I kind of gave people permission to be imperfect in this weird situation that we were all navigating. And through that, I took care of myself because they were less uncomfortable and less awkward and didn't know the rules, quote unquote, right? Yeah. And that was was super helpful. And it made those the transition period so much easier. I think that's a powerful piece that can be so helpful because you're right. People don't know what to say. And what if I say the wrong thing? And what if she wants to talk about it? But I don't want to talk about it because that's weird. And like all those those thoughts that go into their heads. And then all of a sudden it just becomes an awkward conversation and nobody, everyone's left uncomfortable. So, Right. Yeah. And people don't want to upset you and Mm -hmm. they mean well. Yeah. It's, it's a difficult thing. Yeah. And I want it to be a, I know we kind of talked before the recording about energy and mm-hmm. people are like, I don't want the energy of the office to be down and, and scary and dark. Yeah. Like I want it to be uplifting. And so talking exactly. about, about haze, that would just be uncomfortable. And, you know. Yes. I will so. say in my recording, I think I tried a little too hard because I was super upbeat <laughs> and I'm like, I'm okay, everybody. I'm fine. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and I wasn't, but I wasn't, I wasn't in the depths of it either, but I wanted them to feel okay. It's, I guess we just, as, as mothers and empaths just want everybody to be okay and take care of everyone. But it sounds like you did a lot of taking care of you, which is so important. So good. Which is something I'd never Mm -hmm. done before. That's the way. (laughs) This, this really caused me to stop. I had no choice but to stop. I had to figure out how I was going to keep going for myself, for my children. And yoga was one of those things. Uh, The community that I found through yoga carried me through the whole year. And then the other thing that I found was sound healing. I... I, you know, it, when your mind's going a million mi- miles a minute and you're so just overwhelmed with life, I find that at the time I just had a Himalayan, uh, crisp, um, sorry, a Hi- Himalayan singing bowl. So it's a metal bowl. And the sound that comes out of there is just incredible. It just makes you stop because you can't think it's so loud. It envelops you, right? And so I would just go and I would just play with my bowl and it would just settle me down. And before I know it, I grew an extensive collection of sound healing instruments. <laughs> my, my, husband, my husband's like, when did this happen? And now I have an entire set of crystal singing bowls, one, one bowl for each of the chakras. I have two gongs. I'm leaning into all the woo-woo. I love it. Love it. It is so peace, peaceful. It like just brings the resonant energy that it creates you can't stay in a space of anxiety when there's all these vibrations coming at you and kind of balancing you out. At least that was my experience. And since discovering that for myself, I've been doing it for other people as well. I do some sessions at our local yoga studio and it's just profound the ways that I've learned to take care of myself and then also in the process, take care of others through haze yeah I would have never gotten there or maybe not for another 10 years had it not been for that deeply profound ripping the rug right out from under your feet kind of experience Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. And, and I know some women who right after they're lost, they're not at a place to do that. Right. They have to kind of get through the shit and like really mm-hmm. feel it. And then all of a sudden meaning starts to unravel and form yeah. just right in front of you almost. And so sometimes it takes time, but eventually to keep going, that's what you kind of do. You make meaning and you, you figure out a way to integrate the loss into your life. And I think that mm-hmm. the energy piece of it and to be able to help others while also helping yourself. Cause I know you mentioned Reiki and the chakras and when yes. you give Reiki, you receive Reiki. And so that just yes. lightens your energy and mm-hmm. it's so amazing. Yes. And the same with sound healing. As I'm playing the bowls, I'm also getting the benefit of the bowls. Yeah. And I'm sharing it with others at the same time. Right. I, At the ripe age of somewhere between 39 and 40, I finally have been able to find my place when it comes to my spiritual wellness, too. And that's been such an important part of my journey of being okay through grief, is finding a community that that I can be without feeling I have to be one way or another, having been raised a Christian and being in a church and, you know, just working through those feelings of this is who I'm supposed to be versus, but this is really how I feel and figuring out what is it? How do I feel? And how do I want to live and bringing that into the home and the children love sound baths. I, I do that. <laughs> that sounds actually very nice. <laughs> and my my daughter will ask to to pull some tarot cards. And I, oh, I my son believes he can do Reiki too. It's <laughs> they sit there like <laughs> they're just all leaning into the woo woo with me, and it's been it's been a good thing. Good. Ah, oh, that's mm-hmm. so amazing. Yeah, because. I know this is good. I always tell my clients, I'm like, I'm going to sound like a fortune cookie for a second. <laughs> fortune cookie, I love but it. But I'm like, what, what is that saying? It's like, what, come, you have to feel the rain or get the rain to get the rainbow or whatever that yes. saying is. But, yes. and the thing is that he's not lost. Like, Hayes is with you every time you're doing, and I don't know what you believe in terms of this, but this is my you own stuff coming up. 100%. Um, with you as you're doing your sound healing when you're doing your reiki when you're working with other people he's there Mm -hmm. i I don't know if in your reiki you've got guides and all of that that come with you but me he's one of those guides that's yeah i'm still tapping into that (laughs) but i will tell you and i i know this isn't always comfortable for everybody with their beliefs but for me one of the big things that helped me grieve too was that i met with a medium who connected me with Hayes on the other side and my mother who had passed and having been able to have conversations with them was just like you can't can't unknow when you've when you've spoken to somebody on the other side it's like you cannot not know that that's real and so your whole perspective shifts about what you believe because I the first thing that the the medium said to me was, your mother is here and she's holding a baby. Does that make sense to you? And like, oh my gosh, you're like, oh my gosh, this is... I'm like, what? You don't even know me. Like, I know. You couldn't have known this happened, right? And so then we had this wonderful conversation and what you're saying about Hayes always being with me and with us is absolutely, he said that. And, um... It's so powerful realizing that what we know goes beyond what we can see, or, or rather, what is what is the reality? You know, we're only now beginning to know these things. I'm only now beginning to know that that is real, mm-hmm. at least for me. Um, and not to say other people who don't believe that aren't valid either, but this is my my. It's just my reality, yeah. and um, it's amazing you know I feel him I, I've heard him he's with us always and that makes the experience easier to swallow even though I would much rather have his physical body here knowing that he's there to protect us and be with us and that yeah. some of the the guilt that I felt of not being able to give him a safe passage into this world 
he said no he he wanted to have the experience of being in the womb that was what he came to earth for he never intended to be in this world in an earthly sense and so i didn't let him down that was what he wanted that was what he wanted yeah and he chose me because of the experience that he knew he would have of me singing and singing to him and you know and that made me feel so much better just made me feel like it was okay that I did not do this wrong that that was what he wanted and that's what he got yeah and that gives it some sort of I don't know it it puts a bow on that package and it's not over like the journey is still going but and the family is still building you know it's journey but yeah. And he's with my mom. Yeah. They're having a great time. Period. They're partying <laughs> it up. <laughs> yeah. And and just even like the use of the medium, like I know some people might find that to be woo-woo and all of that, but it's like yeah. at the end of the day, if it gives you something and it mm-hmm. also you know provides that sense of continuity to to your family and to and helps that healing. Then yeah. it is amazing because I, I'm, I mean, I'm a firm believer in a lot of these things, but everyone's spirituality is so much different. Right. Like maybe that is a, a religious figure, maybe that, like, but spirituality can really help. Yes. Bear the unbearable. It absolutely can. Yes. Whatever that looks like. Mm-hmm. Finding faith in, in a purpose beyond what you're immediately experiencing is, I think, where the, where the value is because yeah. it helps move you through it right and that's what we need. a minute ago you said you can't experience their or appreciate the rainbow without the rain or something yes. like that <laughs> thank you I think you said it much better than I did <laughs> I don't know <laughs> it reminds me of something that my dad said to me he my mom passed away when my son Grayson was not even a year old and we were separated geographically significantly. I was in America. She was in South Africa where I was born and raised. And she had been sick for a very long time fighting cancer. And my dad obviously took care of her and went through his own grief journey. And he explained to me when he got on the other side of it after she passed that it's like when you listen to a symphony you don't appreciate the soprano notes and the beautiful melody without the deep bass. Yeah. And, you know, you can't, if you pulled those things separately and only listened to the soprano notes, it would get overwhelming. If you only listened to the bass, it would get kind of boring. So you really need both of those types of experiences to be able to appreciate the full melody that is your life. And I just love that. That's that's amazing. I love that because that's that is life. Like nobody, if everybody's life was quote unquote perfect, it would be a boring life, and we wouldn't actually be able to even appreciate that because that's what life is. Life is just perfect. But when you get those dips in in the valleys or whatever, Mm -hmm. then you start to appreciate those moments Mm -hmm. that are so precious and amazing. And that's when our soul expands Yeah, through these challenges that we face. That's when our soul becomes richer and wiser and deeper. And and that's what this whole journey is about for me. I think that is how I understand it to be, is that we're here to grow. And as much as it was a horrible experience, and, and it wasn't just a horrible experience for me and my family. I think about Tiffany, for instance, still carries grief with her. Because she didn't have a chance to grieve what would have been like her godson, you know, yeah. if she, she would have scooped him up like that. Um, and she, the other day, she made me a beautiful sculpture of the picture of my husband in my hands holding Hayes's little hand. And she said to me, this, I needed to do this for my own grief. And I was like, oh my gosh, I don't think I really processed how this affected her mm-hmm. that she dropped everything for two weeks showed up took care of everything put her own family's needs last and didn't have a chance 
she was in triage mode, right? So, right. so it doesn't just affect us is what I'm saying. It affects the people around us too. And it's in community where we grow and, but it's also that shared grief is there, even though we might not see it when we're in our own stuff, other people are experiencing it too. Right. Yeah. Sometimes we have this tunnel vision and we forget the things around us, but sometimes that's also okay. You know, like, I don't think Tiffany in those moments would have wanted you to take care of her because this was about you and your, but yes, even acknowledging it, you know, a year later for being like, Mm -hmm. okay, yeah, you're right. You were going through something also. So, yeah. Yeah. It's a community thing sometimes. Absolutely. So. As we start to wrap up, because we've had this has been an amazing conversation. Let me tell you. Um, what it would be one thing? I know we've kind of given a lot of advice here and there, but yeah. anything in particular? If you know a woman is, you know, suffering or struggling through a loss, a pregnancy loss, stillbirth, miscarriage, mm. what have you, what is something that you would tell her or advice you might give her to maybe? help her you know work through it or you know to moving forward that is such a big question I know (laughs) people are so different and our experiences are so different even as I was going through my grief of losing a child who I never got to live life with I felt like I didn't have the right to grieve because there was a friend of mine who had just lost her two-year-old twin son you know and I think about that grief and how she lived two years of life with him and had experiences they were in the same spaces together she has pictures you know I didn't have that so I felt like my grief wasn't valid and I think I recognize now that's not true but grief shows up so differently for everybody and I would just encourage you to allow yourself to acknowledge that it sucks and that Mm -hmm. just because somebody else has it worse than you doesn't mean that your experience is not valid or that it doesn't require attention because sometimes we're like oh suck it up somebody else has got it worse than me right but you absolutely should take time to care for yourself and however that is possible you might not have a super supportive husband like I do you might not have a Tiffany who shows up like a fairy godmother, (laughs) but choose to do one thing that you can do that day. If it is just taking a shower, that is an accomplishment, especially Mm -hmm. when you're in the thick of it and just acknowledge that. And then the second thing is to call in your tribe, whoever that is. And if you don't have a tribe, find one, go onto Facebook. There are many groups for pregnancy loss, um, stillbirth, where there are women just like you who are on the other side and you can, to a group of complete strangers, say, I'm having a really hard time today. I had a fight with my husband about this thing, or I, you know, I found a baby sock in my drawer and it completely triggered me. Like I've seen those posts and I've made those posts where I'm like, it's my birthday. I don't want to turn 39. And nobody knows you, but it's okay because those women show up for you and they talk to you in a, in a way that helps you feel like everything can be okay, even if it isn't right now. And even though the definition of okay might be different a year from now than it is right now, your definition of okay might change. And right now, just do the best you can to get through. Yeah. And we cannot, as we've talked about during this whole conversation that's come back to the power of people you cannot do this in isolation and being brave for your children and at the expense of your own grief like just pretending it's not real and doing everything you can to sweep it under the rug is not going to serve you or your children or your relationship with your partner yes really just take the time be patient with yourself find support Remember to take a shower every now and then. (laughs) (laughs) And then mine for the meeting. Yes. Look for the little lessons that that little human taught you. And it might be hard to find the first one because you're angry. 
and you're sad. But when she realized that there's beauty in it, even if it's just one tiny thread, you can start pulling the rest of the threads until you have a bigger picture. Yes. Ah, thank you so much, Vera. That was inspirational and your your story is is inspiring for I'm sure so many women out there. And so thank you again for being on here today and and being vulnerable and opening up about your experiences and and, and telling us about Hayes because I think that is <laughs> so so great to hear. Uh, just even about him because he's very much still a part of you and your family. So thank you again. And thank you everyone for tuning in today. Give yourself grace, be kind, and I'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to today's episode on Motherhood Unedited, where we are getting real and raw about the mom life. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and it gave you some clarity on your own motherhood journey. Don't forget to download and share the episode with anyone you feel who could truly benefit from the message. Also, if you have enjoyed listening to Motherhood Unedited, please take a moment and write a review. Your feedback is greatly appreciated. My goal with this podcast is to give back to mothers everywhere in a variety of ways. Right now, the place that I am putting much of my focus is in the Ukraine. That being said, for every review I receive, I will be donating a dollar to UN Women USA to help mothers and children who are fleeing and fighting for their lives in the Ukraine. Every woman and child deserves to feel loved and safe. Your support means more to me than you know. Lastly, if you are a mother struggling right now, please connect with me. My practice, Mindful Reflections, is here to help any way that we can. Check out my website at mindfulreflections.com. Thank you again for tuning in. See you next week.